In this episode of Testimony, a musician story presented by Soundseekers, I talked to rapper Aklesso. Now, Aklesso discusses growing up in a Christian home with a father who was a deacon, who when he was around the age of 12, Aklesso being 12, his father abandoned his family. He left and moved to a whole nother continent and didn't communicate with them for years. And how that affected Aklesso's faith and how he thought then that God too would abandon him. Aklesso also talks about letting go of anger, the anger he had for his father and just letting go of anger in general and wanting to be a role model because he didn't have one. Musically, he talks about the importance of album rollouts, the importance of presenting your product. Additionally, he breaks down Worst Year featuring Gavi, Popular featuring Sam Rivera, Black Klansman, and Heaven Only Knows in the Four Song Breakdown. I am Gaelica Brown, and this is Sound Seekers Presents Testimony, a Musician Story. So let's go ahead then and start with your first music memory. Ooh, my first music memory. Whether it be something that you were listening to or watching when you were a kid. One of my first music memories, it was probably when I was, man, that's such a good question. I think one of the first things that comes to my mind is um, I was with, um, so I wasn't allowed to really listen to hip hop like that. So I was with my aunt Amy and we were in the car somewhere waiting for something. I don't know what we were waiting for. And then she like put on this song that's just like, pump up the jam, pump it up, why your feet are stumping. And then it, the person's just rapping. I'm just like, whoa, this is so different. And I want a place to stay, get your booty on the floor. And I was just like, oh, this is- My day, <laughs> make my just, day. No, to this day, I don't know what the name of that song is. Yeah, so it was kind of like, wow, like this music is so different. And then um, from there on, I, I think that's like the first thing. And I think the second one at my church, um, I was with my aunt again. And then she, uh, they were doing this, uh, this kind of like end of the year thing. And they had this thing called like the singles ministry is what it was called. And they did um, this dance to roll out by Ludacris. Mm. But it- clean version I think it was like edited so it was like you know clean you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so they were doing like this rollout dance and I was like oh who is this and then I found out it was ludicrous and at the time ludicrous was like the biggest thing you know at that time but you know I didn't know because I wasn't allowed to listen to rap <laughs> so your aunt then it sounds like she was hip to game and put you up on game yeah you know a lot of my aunts and uncles put me on like uh, so I remember my, my uncle Montez and Nally and my aunt Shanna, they would like, they would DJ and pull up music. My aunt was a producer and they would put on like the wildest beats, like even techno beats and like make me freestyle to them. And like, you gotta be able to freestyle any beat. So that way, when you start doing music, like you can do anything, you know, and it's actually something that's carried over okay. to, to now. So it's, it's so funny how a game to them became like like a a lifestyle for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially since you weren't even allowed to listen to, well, what was it specifically you weren't allowed to listen to? I wasn't allowed to listen to like hip hop rap. Like I wasn't allowed to because they, you know, like they just thought it was bad music, but you know, it's so funny though. And I I think it's super funny and hypocritical and me me and my mom laugh about it now. It's like some of the Haitian compa that she plays (laughs) is super sensual you know it's yeah if you listen to the words it is super sensual and it's like wait you you play this all around the house you put this at the parties but you don't let me listen to hip-hop yeah it's the same thing if not worse Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it's it's just so funny like i don't know 
maybe because I'm young, they don't want me hearing, you know, they didn't want me listening to those words, but. Yeah, it could have been like, because people might kind of associate hip hop with like gangsta life and thug life and drugs and yeah. Yeah, sex, but not really thinking like Caribbean type music also has a lot of like sensual sexual undertones and yep. just the beat alone, <laughs> just yep. winding and all that. <laughs> like, and it's just like, <laughs> I remember my, I had a friend in, um, I think I was in fourth grade or younger. He got me the 50 cent album, uh, get rich or die trying. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited. And I remember I got the CD and I was going to play it. And then before I got to put it, like play it, my mom found it. And she was like, what is this? And I was just like, oh, no. She's, I was like, my best friend gave it to me. And he's like, she's like, give it back to Matthew and tell her we don't listen to this music in this house. I never <laughs> want to see this, see this ever again. Give it back. And I was just like, wow. And I, I was so sad. I, I gave it to my friend. I was like, my mom doesn't want me to listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't so listen to candy shop. <laughs> I was just like, but I would sneak it though. Mm -hmm. I had this, uh, I had this radio that you can, um, you could stick the like a headphone jack into it, mm -hmm. and you're able to like hear the music. So that's how I got into like listening because I would like play like FM music, and I would just have my headphones, and then my mom wouldn't know, but. You know, you know, you kid, you be sneaking around trying to get away with stuff. Of course. All right. So let's move into your your life story now, and mm -hmm. start with the early days of where you were born and raised. Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in Day County, uh, Miami, Florida. Uh, yeah. Uh, growing up, my mom she was a lawyer at the time. My dad uh, worked in business. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a cool time. I grew up with my three sisters. Um, I had an older, older sister, Renette. I call her older, older cause she was way older. And then I had another, um, sister named Kachana, uh, two years older. We'd always fight my little sister, Sika, five years younger. Uh, and it was like really, really peaceful. Grew up in the church. Everything was good. And then, um, my parents, you know, they ended up getting a divorce. My dad, uh, before they got divorced, my dad decided he was going to leave to go to Africa. And then things kind of just went down the drain from there. And um, it was just kind of like growing up in the church. And it's just like, wow, like these people were deacons. You know what I'm saying? Like these people were supposed to be like, you know, like what the church says. And it's just like, was everything like a lie? Like, like everything they told me, like everything they was teaching me. Like, is God a lie? You know, it was like all these questions, all these thoughts I had to like think through. It was like, what is, what is truth? And like most people when they're, when they're battling those questions, they're usually like, you know, 18 in their twenties, maybe even their thirties, you know, but like, I was, I was asking those questions at 12. Like I was like looking at different philosophies and stuff like that at a young age, trying to figure things out. So um, it was, it was, it was a weird, it was a weird time, you know, and, um, I was in a, I was in a Christian school in Miami and like, you know, I always, I was kind of frustrated cause I was like, man, I'm doing, I try to do everything right, but it's like, why are these bad things happening to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, why is, why is all this stuff, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like happening to me. So it was, it was the weird, it was a weird moment. It was a weird time, and um, as I was, uh, you know, going through it all, one second, I'm, I'm telling tell my roommate to keep it down. <laughs> as I was, uh, um, as I was like going through all that stuff, um, I just felt God like always coming through, like whether it was like a random mentor that would kind of like guide me, like when I was about to like do something I shouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Or like, um, just someone coming along trying to like uplift me and bring me up and like guide me in the right path. I feel like he always came through. And like, even when like foreclosure, the house, all these different things, like, um, like he always kind of just showed up, you know, whether it was through people guidance and 
um, that was, that's kind of like my, my growing up uh, in a Haitian, Togolese household. So, um, okay. So were both your parents from Haiti? No, my mom okay. was from Haiti. My dad is from Togo. And where is Togo? Togo's in West Africa. It's, it borders Ghana. Okay. And so he was planning on going back home to Togo then? Yeah, he actually, he went to the Congo. Okay. Went to the Congo. Yeah. So you were 12 when they divorced, or around 12? Okay. And he went to the Congo. How was your relationship with your father once that happened? Oh, it was non-existent. Yeah, I haven't seen him since I was 12. Oh, really? He mm-hmm. just bounced and that, that was it? He bounced. Like, I mean, now we speak every now and then. Like, you know, it's it's kind of weird. Like, you know, he's trying, you know, he's trying now. But when you haven't had a relationship with someone for almost for more than half your life, it's like... You know, like he's been gone more than I've been, like more than half of how long I've been living, you know? So it's like, you don't see someone for, you know, 14 years, 13, 14 years. It's like, I don't know, like, who, like, it's like, who are you? Like, you don't even know who I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a child anymore. Like, you, you don't know anything about me, you know? It was so funny. Um, so I got engaged. Um, after Thanksgiving. Yes, congratulations. And thank you. And um, my mom, she she told my dad, she told my dad I got engaged. And then he was like telling her like, oh, like he doesn't think he can tell, like why didn't he tell me he was getting engaged? Like, like mm. and I'm just kind of like, and my mom looked at me, she started laughing. We were, like, we were like laughing, like what? Like what's going on with him? Like, like, what do you mean? I didn't tell you I was getting engaged. Like, yeah, I mean, you didn't tell me you wasn't coming back. Like, you know, I was like, it's just like so funny. Like, and I, I laugh at that stuff, but, um, you know, it's, that's, that's my dad. Like, no matter what wrong he's done, like, I always got love for him. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we're not buds, you know, we're not friends. We're not, you know, we're not confidants. You know, we, we don't have a relationship, even though I know he's trying, trying in his own way, but it's like, you know, there's kind of like people who like have low key filled that role of like people I look up to or go to for advice or different stuff like that. Or, you know, I, he's, he's not that, you know? So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird dynamic. Like there's no hate, but there's no like, like love, if that makes sense. There's love, but not like that kind of love, you know? Yeah, It's love because he's your father, mm-hmm. but it's not like the, um the type of love that you have for your mother who's been there your entire life. Exactly. There's no malice. That, I mean, it all makes sense. And so was it then in recent years where did he reach out to try to reconnect with you? Like, how did this come about? It's like, he would, he would call, you know, like he would call, like try and talk. And there were, there were times where like, you know, you know, the thing about my dad, he's like, how do I describe him? He's like, uh, you ever seen the episode of Fresh Prince? The father one. Water comes back. He's like, he's the kind of guy that's like, you walk in, hey, you know, very charismatic guy, good with his words, very intelligent, um, knows how to make people feel warm inside, can really talk a big game and like, you know, the kind of guy that like, you know, has good intentions, but just doesn't, doesn't just can't get the job done. You know, he's, he's that kind of guy, like, um, but very loving, like he can make your, his worst enemy become his friend. Like, like it's interesting, like, cause my fiance, she hears a lot of negative that I said about him, but I tell her like, if you met him, you would like him. Mm-hmm. Like, no way. I'm like, like we're 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 much alike. Me and him are much alike, except I don't flake. You know, that's the only difference. I don't flake on people. Um, but so it's interesting because it's like sometimes you get caught up in that. 
and then he'll just let you down and let you down and let you down and you come back because you know he's saying these things and making these promises and then he'll let you down he'll let you down he'll let you down and it's just like you know what i just don't want to get let down anymore so let's just let's how you doing man you doing good all right well i mean that's mature of you to to get to that point to where you can think that way to where i'll still have a relationship with you i'll still talk to you but i'm not going to allow you to let me down anymore exactly exactly but it's all love i i think the worst the worst thing i think not just me but anybody can do is just like hold hate in your heart like mm -hmm. you know even me like i've been hurt by so many people like my dad, other family members, like, you know, just people who had like, you know, evil intentions to me that have scarred me, even from when I was a kid to now, like have scarred me, you know, but it's just like, man, like I can hold this hate, I can hold this trauma, you know, that I've gone through, you know, or I can just let it go, you know, because I don't want to bring that, you know, I've I've brought that into relationships before, like, you know what I'm saying, and, and have ended up hurting people, you know, people that I've cared about deeply. And it's just like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to bring that into like my future marriage or, or put that on my kids or, you know, so it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird dynamic, but I, I feel like we have to, we have to let go. We have to, we have to let God, you know what I'm saying? Do healing because if not, it's gonna, it's gonna make you feel sick. You know, you're not gonna, yeah. I used to feel like anger motivated me, like, oh, I'm gonna prove them wrong. I'm gonna, uh, you know, and it's just like, that's not motivation. That's that's heartburn. That's stress. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's gray hair. That's it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, when you're angry at somebody, and I know I'm um, I'm rambling, like, they don't feel it. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you're not in communication, like, they're living their life. Like, it's not affecting them. Mm -hmm. but it, it's killing you it's affecting you it's like why are you gonna be angry over something that people don't care about or don't even know that they did wrong to you you know what i'm saying like why are you gonna hold that you know so yeah no i mean those are facts that's that's everyone should take heed it's easier said than done <laughs> definitely but um yeah those are good words and as far as so in your household your father left and now your mom is what raising pretty much two kids because your older sister is older older she's Who's not that? raising any kids right now no i mean <laughs> oh then <laughs> yeah it was uh yeah she's raising me and my two sisters yeah okay and you talked about you know wrestling with with God and, and like the church, mainly what, what the church looks like, because you said they were deacons and your father literally just left and abandoned you guys. So how did you get to know Jesus for your own, on your own and, and have that love for him despite everything that was going on in your life? Oh, so, so interesting. There was a, there's this guy, his name was David Rodriguez. He was just this, phenom you know like he boxed like any sport he did he killed it and I remember when I was young um he was like a substitute PE coach and we were doing something like I wasn't allowed to play football so I didn't know anything about football I was good at every other sport I just didn't know football because I wasn't allowed to play I was you know I saw since I didn't play I didn't watch it um and then I you know it was something that happened where he he was like, yo, I'll, I'll hang with you. And then, like, we got to talking. And then just kind of his actions, I would just watch him from then on out. Like, even when my dad was around, I kind of watched him. Because, you know, I knew about faith. I could answer every Bible question as a kid. You know, like, I knew I knew it back and forth. But it, like, it didn't hit me personally. Because I didn't really know what it looked like, what it, what it looked like to be like Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So when I'd see him, I was kind of like, this guy is different. And then he ended up getting cancer and dying. You know, he ended up dying from cancer. And um, I just saw like the thousands of people that came to his funeral and just the words people said, I'm like, wow, like I want that, you know? Um, and then it, it kind of like, 
you know, I, I put my faith in God. And even when I was questioning, I had my faith in God, but I needed, I was just doubting. So like my worldview was just like, I guess when it comes to like black and brown people, like God doesn't love them. Maybe he just looks out for white people because my perspective of white people, like their life was all together, even though that's not true. But from a kid's perspective, it just looks that way, you know? Um, so I was just kind of just like thinking through things, but it, I, yeah, I, I think it was around that. It was around that time where I was just like, you know what, like middle school, like I want to, you know, I really want to like serve God, but man, I, I would struggle so much. Like I would struggle so much with, you know, just like relationships and different stuff like that. Like trying to fill the gaps um, with other things other than God. And I would, it, it would be a mess. <laughs> It'd just be a mess. Just like reflecting on it right now, it's kind of like messy. But you know, that's the thing about God. Even when you're giving up on yourself, He don't give up on you. You know. Facts. Mm-hmm. Facts. So, around what age then would you say He became personal to you? I would say around you know 13 years old. Okay. I mean, so you just had like a year of struggle. No, I, I was, even though I had faith in God, I had a lot of doubts, you know, yeah. like, like I was, I was a lot of doubts. I was just like, you know what? Like it was, it was like, I believed in God, I trusted in God. I trusted in his word, but it was just like, I was struggling with him being a good father. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I like, Cause I would just kind of see like, you know, when, when I read like, Oh God, the father, I'd be like, well, my dad, you know what I'm saying? So like, that's, it kind of like affected, like, I guess how I viewed God, even though I, I believed in Jesus and I trusted him, you know, I had my faith in him. It was just like, well, you know what? My dad failed me. So, you know, God would let me down too, you know, like I would, I would, uh, you know, I would just struggle with, with that part. Like just put in, like, yeah, I'm not going to ask God for anything, you know, because, you know, he, he'll fail me too. But if you, if you want to, you want to help me in this, you can, but I, I'm like giving myself room for, for God to let me down as if, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it was a weird, it was a weird place, you know, just with. But he kept showing out each time. Yeah. He kept showing up. Yeah. He kept <laughs> Every time, and it's just like, it's sometimes it's not how you expect it, you know? It's like, if I never went through all that stuff, I wouldn't be doing music. Like, I started doing, like, music because my dad left. I was writing poetry to, like, get my heart through it, to get my mind through it. I write poetry to girls. Like, I started getting into music because my dad left. Like, if it wasn't for that, like, I wouldn't be making these songs, you know, these records, encouraging these people doing these things. So it's like, I needed, I needed that to happen. Like, and that's so weird to say, cause it's like, sometimes we look at as bad things as just that, but it's like, there's so much, there's such a bigger plan. Like if Job never went through what he did, like the millions and the millions of people who've heard of his story, you know, wouldn't know how to deal with, with pain and loss, you know, like that, you know, in such a way, I think everything, you know, is for a reason, you know, Okay. Well, let's move on to um, a little bit more joyful occasion. Mm-hmm. You mentioned getting engaged. Um, you said before Thanksgiving? After Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving. And um, I did see it on IG. We have, there's a little video of you proposing. Um, so let's just talk about like the, how old, do you mind if I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 26. 26. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the decision, like, let's talk about your, you dating, like how long were you guys together? Yeah. So, um, we were dating for two and a half years. Um, we were kind of like talking beforehand for like, like eight months, like eight months, like a long time. Um, and yeah, we were friends before that, like bestest of friends, like a couple years before that. So it was like, you know, it's been a cool progression, you know, like, like, she's so funny, like, you know, goofy at times, but also like, just so understanding and comforting and like wise, like beyond her years, you know, very wise, very patient. And sometimes I'm very like, ah, 
I like, you know, I was like agitating. I don't want to say agitating, but really like, you know, big dreamer, like all this stuff. And she's kind of just like, really like, okay, like, let's connect the dots, you know? So it's just like more than a support and like a best friend. And it's just like when you find someone that one loves God more than you, but also like has qualities that you can see like, wow, like not only though, like you don't deserve it, but it's like, dang, like we, we don't even gotta be like doing all these crazy stuff to like, you know, be happy, you know, it's like, I don't know how to really tangibly put in words, but just like someone you could just vibe with, you know, and just build something with and have a goal towards. It's not just like, all right, let's get married, but like, okay, let's have our marriage with like be a, a blessing to other people, you know, like be, a, you know what I'm saying? An example to other people that like in our marriage, like we're, we're, you know, helping younger people and even in our community and striving towards something like it's like, it's not just like for us, but it's essentially a ministry, you know, for others. Um, and someone that is like, has that in mind as well, you know, and trust you, you know, and trust you. Um, yeah. So uh, there were a few people or at least a couple people last year who got engaged in the Christian hip hop world. Uh, John Keith and Holvey, and you were talking about like being an influence to the people in your community. How important do you think it is um, your community around you is in in your relationships and in particular an engagement going towards yeah. marriage? So what I it's awesome because John got is John is proposed John proposed he's engaged to get married Holvey. Uh, Gleese, my producer, best friend, Romar Jesse, um, Kilowatts, another producer. Um, you know, so many of us uh, got engaged, you know. T. Ross got married. T. Ross the Giant, he got married. So it's just like, I think a lot of us have come from broken families. Like, you know, and I think a, a lot of people who follow us and um, you know what I'm saying, like fans, you know, other foolies, like, you know what I'm saying, that that follow me come from broken homes, you know. So it's just like to show them also like look like I know you've seen it not work and you know, you probably a lot of kids I know like don't want to get married. Like they don't want to deal with that. Like they don't want to go to that heartache or put their kids through the heartache of divorce. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because your parents fail doesn't mean you will, you know, like, like I'm not married, but I know it's going to be hard, you know, cause the dating part is already hard. You know, I already know it's going to be magnified, but it's like, <laughs> if the, if the goal is really to come together, you know, and have Jesus as the center, like, not just like saying like, okay, we're going to put Jesus at the center, but like, are y'all in the word together? You know what I'm saying? Are y'all growing together? Are you are you serving together? Are you putting each other first? Like God first and then the other person first? Like those things, like, you know what I'm saying? If, you, if you're not doing those things, of course it's going to fall apart. You know, if you're not honoring each other, of course it's going to fall apart. If you don't have genuine love for each other beforehand, of course it's going to fall apart. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to be that example. I'm not scared to be a role model. I know a lot of people say like, okay, just because I'm an artist doesn't mean I'm a role model. It's like, I want to be a role model. Like I, I want, I think that's an honor, you know, because I needed one growing up, you know, so I want to be that for other people. Right on. Okay. And how would you say God's presence looks like in your life personally, outside of the music, just personally? You know, it's, it's so interesting. It's, I was just talking um, like literally an hour, no, an hour and a half ago to my fiance and just, we were just, I was just talking about like, you know, like so many times God has come through, you know what I'm saying? Like we can, we can just talk about provision right now. He's come through and it's like, 
for a little, for a couple of weeks now, I've been like, you know, pacing back and forth about like finances. Like, wow, I got to pay for this wedding. We got to get this place. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to pay for that. And I'm just like, I got to help her with her school. I got to pay for that. And I'm thinking about all these things. I'm just like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Why am I tripping over this now? When literally every time he showed up, like literally when our house was getting foreclosed and we didn't know where we was going to go and there was no light in the house for months, no water for months. We had to go fill up buckets, you know what I'm saying, with with water from a well over there, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, that's why I wrote it in Ransom. I remember bathing in buckets, now I'm singing in London. Like, like I'm, it's just like God has come through in so many ways. It's like, why am I tripping about it now? Like, that makes no sense. Like, why would I, why would I trip about it now? And it's just like, just knowing like, I, I look at the story of Joseph and, when you look at Joseph, he never really had a like a dream like he wanted to be this. Like he was just kind of thrown into a situation like, all right, you're going to be a slave. And even that time, the scriptures say, and the Lord was with him as a slave. You're going to be in jail. The scriptures say the Lord was with him as he was in jail. He just did everything in excellence and God was there. And then he got placed in a position and the Lord was with him in that position to save an entire nation, nations, you know? So it's just like, yo, I'm just going to do things well and God is going to be with me, you know? And for me to keep that with, like, you know, grow that relationship, you know what I'm saying? I got to be on my knees, you know what I'm saying? Like, the battles are won, like, not in your craft, but on your knees, like, praying, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I I just, I just know, you know, that God is with me, you know what I mean? And it's like, when you talk about, like, the presence of the Lord, it's just like, He's with his people, you know, like you got to trust that, you know, and it's not this like grand voice, you know, coming down, screaming at you. You know what I mean? It's it's the Holy Spirit, like guiding your heart. You know, it's it's trusted leaders, you know, in your life that are, you know, have good intentions that are helping you. It's it's you and what God has placed in your heart that's, that's guiding you. You know, it's the scriptures, you know, that hold the truth, you know, so. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing, you know, but it's it's also easy to slip out of that, like with the doubts and the fears and, the you know, when you're in, you know, when you're struggling with different things, you know, when you're around bad company, like it's easy to slip out of that where you can't hear anything. You know, you, you, you just hear chaos and confusion and that's going to happen in life. But when that happens, get back on your knees, man, you know, come back, come back to your first love. You know, like Paul says in the scriptures, come back to your first love. Um, but yeah, I'm rambling, but it's like, (laughs) it's just like, like faith is just such a, it's like a beautiful, a beautiful, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because I was, I was talking to somebody about this earlier. It's like in art, right? Music, art, like, um, I'm, you're, you're always striving for perfection. At least I am, you know, I'm, I'm striving for. I'm striving for this next level of, you know what I'm saying, of innovation. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get to a place where it's like perfection. But the thing is, I'm never going to get there. Like, even when I put out MLBM, in my mind, I had alterations and things I want to fix or add after I put it out. But it's just like, you're always, art is never done. You're always critiquing it. You know, it's always growing. And once you put it out, it's not yours anymore. It's the world's. When you think about your faith, right? You're striving, you're striving, you're working to get to this perfection, right? But you're never going to get there, right? That's why you need Jesus. And it's like, same thing as art. Like, you're you're trying to attain this perfection, you know? Like, you're, you're maddening yourself to get to this place. And in faith, you're maddening yourself to get to this place. And you're falling, you're working, you're doing, you're trying to do these works. But it's like, you'll never, no matter what work you put in, you're never going to reach this perfection that is Jesus. And I just think it's this beautiful place when those things come together. It's just like, it's matrimony, you know? It's matrimony. It, it, I mean, it's beautiful to hear you to talk. You keep saying that you're rambling, but it's just beautiful to hear you like even speak about God and just the way that your, your face lights up. But I think like to some, to hear you say you're never going to reach this perfection, it might sound disencouraging. 
as far as like the music or the faith? You know, as far as just in life to say that you're never, not the art part, but spirituality, saying that you're never going to reach perfection. That's that's where like Jesus comes in. Mm-hmm. But to those who hear that and think, well, if I'm never going to make reach perfection, then what's even the point? Yeah. What would you say to that? That's, that's such a cool thing. It's like, it's, it's so funny. I think about like sports. It's like, um, like you, you train and train and train to, to reach this goal. Paul talks about it, right? Um, you, 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 you uh, an athlete trains to reach this goal, right? Um, and I, I think about, you know, the goal is, the goal is Jesus. The goal is to be of God. It's like, um, it's kind of frustrating that I, I think there's a freedom in knowing that you're never going to, in, in it of yourself, you're never going to make it, right? Because that takes off the stresses knowing it's not about what you do, but it's what it's what Jesus does for you. You know, like you don't you don't got to, you know, do all these things. It's just all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus and he does the work. You know what I'm saying? You just have to follow him, you know, and trust him and believe in him, you know. And to me, that's very reassuring because. I'm so goal oriented. I, I feel like I gotta I gotta meet expectations. I gotta go above and beyond. But it's like, and but the worst thing about that is when I fail. You know, as an athlete training for something so hard, and then not not getting to that place. You know, or training for something so hard and you get there, and it doesn't satisfy you anymore because you want to go more. And it's the the thing about Jesus. He satisfies you. You look at um, in John, I think it's John four, women at the well, you know, or was it? I think it's John four, but whatever. Women at the well, she says, uh, "You, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you living water." You know, where you don't have to keep drawing this water. Obviously, he was talking about, you know, faith in him, and she didn't understand that. It's just like, but it satisfied her mm-hmm. so much. She wanted other people to get it too. You know, ran off. I think that's what. I think that's what Jesus is, you know? Right on. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to um hot topic, what's what's trending on Twitter right mm-hmm. now. Um, do something a little bit fun. I don't know if you're familiar with, there's an artist by the name of Zane, mm-hmm. Z-A-Y-N-E. Well, his Nobody Is Listening album is trending, mainly because of the rollout that he did behind it. So two things, um, but I think it's not out yet. I don't know if it comes out tomorrow, but one of the things that he's done is US, U.S. fans. So fans in the States, if they can't afford to buy the album, nobody is listening, then they're saying that you can fill out a form and they'll provide funds for you to buy it is one. And um, another like fan writes, Zane is always so considerate. He hosted listening parties for all of us, um, I guess, whatever his group of people he calls them, and made them accessible and comfortable. He could adjust and he did it just for the fans. And now nobody's listening party is online and it's open for everyone during the pandemic. But there's like somebody had posted like a list of things that he's been doing um, with all of his rollouts going back to like 2016, like he paid for unlimited food and drinks that were supplied to fans who attended his Mind of Me listening party in London. He secretly invited some fans to a sneak peek of his new music video and had a sleepover and ice cream. So my question to you is like, you're you're pretty good with your rollouts um, and you're a pretty creative person. So how important is it in this era to have a creative rollout for a song or an album? I think it's so important because, so one thing with my music, I, I, I want people to feel like they're a part of it. I want people to feel like the music is speaking to them. Like this is not just my journey, but it's our journey. So um, one thing I did, I started a discord um, where you know what I'm saying? Like, or people feel like they have a community of like, 
whether it's different artists or different just people, you know what I mean? Like that they can feel encouraged. So um, sometimes I'll host like monthly Zooms where I'll give younger artists advice, you know, and listen to their music and just encourage them, you know, and, you know, I'll engage and talk with them because I'm not that good at, you know, with the DMs on Twitter and Instagram, but like on the Discord, I try to like, you know, talk to them and hang with them and, you know, allow them to feel loved. But as far as a rollout goes, it's like, you can have an amazing product, but if the presentation is not good, no one's going to try it. It's like, Gordon Ramsay, like, he'll look at a dish and be like, oh, this presentation is ugly. It doesn't look appetizing. Mm-hmm. So he'd throw it away. But it's just like, the, the chef would be like, you didn't even taste it. Like, he's like, I'm sure the flavors could have been good, but you didn't present it well. So I think it's important with your rollout and even with your fans that you present yourself well and, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're there for them, you know? Yeah, for sure. And moving on to music. How did you get your music start? In addition, like, I know you said your aunts and uncles had you freestyling to random beats and everything, but how did you even get to the point of freestyling? Oh, man, I would just, I would, I don't know. I would just kind of, like, put words together, you know, like, I know that sounds, like, sarcastic, but it was, like, um, I would just do it and like sound dorky, like in trash, you know, and just, but even when I was trash, they would hype me up, you know? So I would just keep going and going. And it was just like endless amount of practice, you know, endless amount of writing and practice, you know, and just, at first you try to rap like another artist, you try and copy your favorite artist and how they rap to a place where you're your own person, your own creative, you know? So you said that you were writing poetry when your father left, but how did you transition that into music? Um, well, it was kind of like the rhyming aspect of it. So I would like, I would, it wouldn't just kind of like be free forming poetry. It would rhyme, you know, whether it was like A-A-B-B, uh, A-B or C-D-C-D or, or C-C-D-D, or it would be A-A-B-B, you know, different poetry forms, like, you know, or maybe it would be a free form at some point. Maybe it would be um, personifying things. Like I wrote, and I wish I could find, I, I wrote this one poem for this girl called Yellow Moon. Mm-hmm. And it was a way I was, I, I don't, <laughs> no way I'm going to ask her for it, but I just wish I had that poem because it was, well, I, 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 I don't know. Give you Yellow Moon. Say that again. Maybe she'll hear this interview and send you Yellow Moon. Uh, <laughs> maybe there, she doesn't even have my new number though. So, <laughs> yeah, but it was it was um, yeah. So I would write poetry and then I would rap. When I was sad, I would write poetry. When I was angry, I would write lyrics. I would freestyle for fun in class in the cafeteria, in the bus, all that stuff, I would do all I could. And was it Christian lyrics you were writing? Were you interested in being a Christian artist or what? No, I was never interested in being a Christian artist. Like, I just, so I really wasn't interested in being a rapper. Okay. I think that's the first thing. Like, I, that was never on my, because, you know, coming from a Haitian household, like, is not it that's yeah. not it so just like this is just something i do this is just a hobby you know like i mean i wasn't like i wasn't being vulgar in my music i was never i was never vulgar in my music it was more just like flexing like oh i'm so fly get all the girls i won't stop like just weird stuff like that like you know what kids rap like you know i probably said like the n-word a couple times like as a kid like just rapping like but like it wasn't like vulgar stuff, you know. But um, yeah, it, it was like I was just doing it for fun, and then sometimes I would write like deeper stuff. But it was kind of like that, you know. Oh, okay. So then, how do you get connected? How do you get into the Christian music realm? And mm, okay, so it's like um, 
So I, you know, I kind of just got thrown into it low key. It's like, I had a friend named Eric Kingsley. He's a producer. Um, and then when I first started rapping, we connected and he was kind of just telling me like, Oh, like there's this thing called Christian hip hop. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, and there, he's like, he's like, yeah. I was like, okay. Like Lecrae and Andy Tadashi and trip and KB. And he's like, yeah, but like, there's like a whole community of other people that do it. And I was like, oh, they're not the only ones? And then he, <laughs> it's not so just they, these records. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought like, I didn't know there was a subgenre. I thought it was like, it was just one big hip hop. All Everything is hip hop. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, I'm just doing hip hop and like, I'm rapping about my faith and my experiences, like kind of thing, but I kind of got thrown into Christian hip hop because he was like, here's Rapzilla. Like, this is Rapzilla. This is um, Jam the Hype. And he would tell me about these different things. And I'd be like, okay, okay. And they're like, he's like, yeah, like, if you want to, like, find people who, like, agree with your, like, you know, our faith, like you, like, submit to here and they'll, um, they'll, like, push your stuff to people that can hear. So I'm like, oh, bet. So I, I sent this song called False Love to Rapzilla. And I was just like, oh, please, I hope they pick it up. I hope they pick it up. And, you know, when they picked it up, I was so ecstatic. Like, oh, my gosh, they picked it up. Like, I was so happy, you know. And I'm still happy that they did that, you know, because I, I started getting new fans because of that. And then that's kind of how I got thrown into the Christian hip-hop world, and which I'm, which I'm glad to be a part of. Um, if anyone were asking me like, Hey, are you a Christian rapper? I'd be like hundred percent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I am, but I, I definitely feel like my music, like, I think my music specifically hits people who aren't Christian at all. Like I have so many fans that are like, don't believe in Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Don't believe in God may know of God. Like I have a lot of fans, like a good amount of them don't know God, you know, like they don't, um, but they love my music. And then I have another sector of fans that like their whole life is just God. They live in the church, they breathe the church and they love my music. So I feel like a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people older than me saying like, yo, you, you, there's no such thing as being in the middle. You're either here or there, you know, as far as the industry goes. But I, I feel like Jesus, you know, was for everybody, you know? as far as like he was with the worst of sinners and some of them rocked with him you know they just couldn't live with they they just couldn't give up you know what i'm saying their lifestyles to to really follow him but they they rocked with him they wanted to see what he was about they rocked with him and even people who was the holiest of holies didn't really rock with him but and some did you know so it's it's interesting i i feel like I feel like my music is that is that perfect middle, you know, is that how perfect. You, how did you end up hooking up with Good City Music? So Gabi introduced me. Gabi introduced me. Um, yeah, Gabi. Gabi introduced me to. I knew about Butter P already as as an artist. The the Christian rappers I knew was Rima Soul. So that was Butter P you know, Juan and Kanata and Gavi. And then I knew like Reach, or I knew Reach. Okay. I didn't know anybody else. I knew, I knew one other person. Someone put me on to Flame, this, this song called Seymour. I want to see more him because I'm sick of more me. Want to be like, so I knew about them, but um, pretty much Gavi put me on to, Amanda and then we formed a relationship and, you know, we did a partnership together with Good City. So it was like a partnership together. Um, but yeah, like it's been a, it's been a blessing. Amanda has helped me so much. Like, um, and Risha, uh, she's part of Good City as well, has just been, you know, so helpful, you know, so helpful, so caring, like literally anything I need, like always helping me, educating me, just, just a servant, you know, and everything, and like a good friend as well, you know. So it's it's been amazing, and Amanda has been super loving, and she's looked out a lot, you know. Like I'm, I'm interest, I'm interested and excited about like 
you know, you know, our future together, you know, so it's, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. Well, let's talk about, you've been talking about Amanda, AKA Butter P. Like, I don't know if everyone knows like how much she does mm-hmm. in the background. Um, yeah. So can you just tell people like how valuable she is to artists and, and just to like our culture period? Yeah. So when you think about, so when you think about industry, you think about like the hip hop industry, it's had years of years of structure, like business wise, there've been so many people that helped with the structure. But when you think about Christian music, like there hasn't the, the most in industry there's been is reach and like really RMG, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really familiar with, you know, God over money, but I know they got infrastructure as well. But like all these things are like things that have come in like, what, a decade or two? Like maybe like there hasn't been real infrastructure. It's like, yeah, it's like a decade where real infrastructure has been in place. You know, now we have all these blogs and, you know, people like you who are interviewing and bringing news and media, like which, you know, all things CHH, you know, all these different things are coming together and these media sites are coming together and, you know, bringing these things together. And it's like, when you look at Amanda, she's someone that has tapped into, um, into big business as far as like um, getting other artists opportunities to be in commercials and films, you know what I'm saying? And different stuff like that, where a lot of times Christian artists have not been on the ball game, you know, as far as licensing goes to, or even as far as like publishing, like, you know, equipping and equipping other artists to like, yo, make sure like your publishing is together. Like, you know, there's money you could be getting, like a lot of just educating people and really encouraging people and being a, being like, a voice to other people like she started even a podcast thing where she brings in other successful business people in the industry that come from faith or may not come from faith put other people on to game about you know the, the industry you know and just like a really big a big resource um so i'm just grateful for her like i've, I've learned so much from her you know just about business you know understanding like in business to get something, sometimes you have to give up something, you know, but be wise about what you give up though, you know, and, and just putting me onto game and just always being, you know, open about things, you know. So that's Amanda, that's, that's Buddy P. I call her the pit bull because, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to me, like, I'm really like, I'm like a pushover when it comes to things. Like I'm so into like art, you know, that I just, I just think about the art. Like, I don't want to really deal with the business numbers, money, that stuff, which is something I've been learning to work on. But Amanda's like a pit bull. She's going to make sure I get what I'm supposed to get. You know what I'm saying? Like, that I'm not taking um, advantage of and stuff like that. Um, But, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. And moving on to the album that you released at the end of last year, My, My Life is a Beautiful Mess. Um, let's talk about the title, like why title it that and, and just what went into putting out that entire project. Cause it's kind of a long time coming. Long time coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my, my life is a beautiful mess. It, um, I wanted to create something that, that people felt like was a friend, you know, like I wanted to create a body of work that like people felt like they could relate to and they were safe to. And also it told my story. When you think about, when I think about my life, it's like, even in the, the most chaotic of times, there was beauty in it. Like, you know, God was there, you know, speaking about Joseph, like God was there. Um, and I, I just feel like in that, in those times, like God has always been there. And I think that's what life is. There's beauty, there's darkness, but in the end, it is it is beautiful. So that's why I came up came up with that title because life is so nuanced, but it's so beautiful beautiful as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just trying to be cognitive of your time. Um, do you have time? Because I do have a section called the four song breakdown where I like for the artist to rap or recite a verse, 
and discuss what's going on between the lines of the song story. Mm-hmm. And so for you, I'd picked worst year, popular Black Klansman in heaven only knows. Mm-hmm. Do you have some time to go through those? Yes, we could do that. Okay. So if you don't mind starting with worst year featuring Gavi, you can yeah. pick any verse that you want and um, recite it and then we can discuss it. Yeah. Um, so a lyric that comes comes to me now is um, chasing all my dreams, young without a thing, sleeping on my Brody's for young with no money, raging with my woes, can't deal with my folks. They say I'm next up, but I'm living like my time is now. Um, and I just think about that record. It's just like everything I've gone through, like, you know, just really getting after this music. There are times I would sleep on the floor, like, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, just kind of like struggle, like just trying to make things work and family members not understanding and just these different things. But there are times where God places a something in your heart, you know, and things may be hard, but like, and people may not understand, but the vision is there. You know what you're chasing after. You know what I'm saying? And that was just kind of like reflecting on what I've been through in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of, you know, just hard times, a couple years of hard times. And like, you know, knowing that, you know, God is there. I keep saying that, but it's so true. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like the line. And even if I knew what I know now, like I remember writing that and saying that it's just like um, I was, you know, everything is all is always 2020 hindsight, you know, everything is always 2020 in hindsight, you know, but like the times where I was struggling, if I knew I'd be here, I wouldn't be tripping about it, you know. So it, it just kind of those lyrics kind of like stand out for me as far as worst year goes. Okay. And popular featuring Sam Rivera. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me how clout tastes in five years. Um, I, I think that line is just like with everything, you know, we had this whole six, nine drama and just everybody does whatever for clout. And then it's just like, they do these wild things just for clout, but it's just like, yo, like at the end of the day and your time has gone, like all that stuff you did, is, is that gonna matter? Like the, the only things that really matter is like, you know, the heavenly things, like what, what have you done for others? How have you empowered other people? What have you done for your community? You know, you know, you know those are the stuff that matters, you know, like love and but all this other stuff, it's like you try to be popular so bad that, you know what I'm saying? You sold your soul. You, you, you sold your identity. You don't know who you are. Like, that stuff is not going to matter. Like, your identity, you know, and the one that, you know, that major identity, that's that's what that's what matters, you know? So that that's kind of what I think of popular. Yeah. In Black Klansmen. Oh, yeah, man. That's... That's the anthem. <laughs> um, okay, KK, this is America. They want to see me catch malaria. Um, I, I think a lot of times, you know, even for me, like, so as a child, I, I got malaria when I was in Africa. You know, I was in Africa for a little bit. I caught malaria and I, I almost died. You know, I was like one years old. You know, I almost died. Wow. Um, so when you think about, you know what I'm saying, America, you know, what they've, I'm saying, they've done with black people, you know, the experimentations, like all these different things. Um, just all the stuff that's happened to, you know, to black and brown people. Uh, like you can't be surprised, you know, anymore, you know, even though there's been a lot of progress, like, you know what I'm saying? Like th- there's two Americas, you know, you know, there's, there's late, Martin Luther King talks about there's two Americas, you know? Um, so just kind of like, okay, this is America. They want to catch malaria. It's like, there's people that, you know, that, that don't have good intentions for black and brown people, you know? They don't, you know, we see that. Uh, we, we see that with everything that's going on right now. Like, am I to say there aren't people who love God that were, you know, at just what happened earlier? 
and they didn't they didn't know it would turn out to that. Yeah. I'm sure they are. Mm-hmm. There are definitely people over there, and a good amount of people over there that do not know God. You know what I'm saying? Um, you need to call the spade a spade. You know, I I saw people with KKK hats on, like you know what I'm saying. It's just like, what is going on? You know, and you know that's that's the world we live in, and you got to call the spade a spade. You know, um, you know, a lot of people say like, you know, and I I hate to get political. You know, what I'm saying if you go if you go to it's funny, like you'll go to a white, a white Christian and they'll say, you didn't vote Republican, aren't you Christian? It's funny, you'll go to a black Christian and they'll say, you didn't vote Democratic, aren't you Christian? You know what I'm saying? And it's it's like- Really? They aren't you Christian or aren't you black? You're supposed to vote Democratic because you're black? Yeah, I, I haven't heard the, bl- I, personally, I haven't heard the black one, I heard the Christian one, but it's like both sides are saying Aren't you Christian? Aren't you Christian? And it's just like, fam, it's like there's wrongs on both sides. You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus was part of no party. And if you think he was, you are not reading the scriptures when they were trying to make him king. <laughs> you are not. Re- I don't know what Bible you were. Republican Party in the scriptures. Yeah. Didn't exist back then. America didn't exist. America didn't even exist back then. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like there was like when. When people try to politicize Jesus, when Jesus was, he would dodge them, you know, he would dodge them. And, and it's just such a funny dynamic to me. Um, but I think Klansmen, it speaks the ugly truth in rage. You know, we're going to turn up to the ugly truth and understand, like, there's going to be a better way. Like, um, there's going to be a better way. So I, thought I love Klansmen. It's such a turn up song, but there's so much truth masked in the turn up, you know? <laughs> Truth masked in the turn up. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay. And heaven only knows. Yeah. Um, so I wrote that after George Floyd, you know, I think two days, two days after George Floyd, I wrote that. And I was just such in a broken and disheartened place. And um, there are things and I'm not going to say I have all the answers. I will never say, this is why you're going through this to somebody. I don't know. I can only speak to myself, you know what I'm saying, for myself. But there are things that happen that really only God knows. Mm -hmm. Tragedies that happen, only God knows. And we could never, trying to, trying to, you know, philosophize, doctrinize, whatever you want to call it, someone's pain and grief it's not the move, you know, and sometimes you got to try and find peace in knowing that I may not understand, but God's in control, like surrendering that to him. And that's a hard, that's easier said than done, you know, but I've lived that, you know, from death of my best friend, death of my little cousin, you know, <laughs> death of other friends, you know, uh, just seeing innocent people die, you know, um, I can name so many you know, tough things that have happened in my life, but it's really like, you can never know why you can maybe try and think, you know, but really you don't know, you don't know. And you may never know. And if you do know, you may only know part of it, but God knows and he's there. Um, And that's what I wrote. Heaven only knows because even in the confusion, I wanted to give people a peace knowing that even if we don't understand why, I want you to have a peace knowing that God is there. Right on. Mm -hmm. So wrapping this up, how does God's presence look like in your life musically? You know, it's so interesting. Like, um, so it's weird. I've, it's, it's something I've been thinking about a lot, but I don't make, good music or I don't write good music if I'm not like in line with God. Mm. I've never like spoken about that publicly. And if I have, it's probably just to Enzo and and Gleese or John John, same person. But I've never spoken that to that publicly and I I'm I'm what I wonder if it's the same for other people like, you know, in my space, like I have a hard time making, 
I can make music easy, but like music that matters that can move somebody if I'm not in line, like, and like, I even say like, it doesn't mean that emotionally I'm all the way there or physically I'm all the way there or, you know, because you can hear it in some of the songs, it's very, I feel drained. I'm sad, but I'm in line. I'm in line with God, even in the sadness, you know, even in the muck, in the misery, you know, like, even when I'm in misery, like, I'm still, my eyes are still looking at God, you know? So I feel like if I'm, if my eyes aren't looking at God, I can't, I don't want to say I can't make good music, but because I feel like I'm on a level I can make music, however, but I feel like to make that, that innovation, that, that gateway I'm looking for, I feel like for me, for me, I'm not speaking for other people because I can't do that. But for me, I, I, I struggle making something beautiful. Like, and, and one thing I've been random, but one thing I've been thinking about when you think about who you are, if you, if who you are as a person, I am a Christian, right? So that is like my identity of who I am. I'm a follower of God, right? If who I am if I'm moving in something contrary to who I am, there's going to be a conflict within. So when you look at somebody who doesn't know God, if there's a conflict within, their music is not going to hit the same, you know, because they're they're doing something contrary to who they are, you know, whether with, whether you're a Christian, you know, or you want to call them secular artists, secular artists or Islamic or whatever kind of artist you are, if you're doing something contrary to who you are, it's it, it's it's not gonna be the same, you know. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna because there's a conflict within, and I think with me that's what it is. If I'm not like in the presence of God, if I'm not moving, if I'm not moving with God. You know what I'm saying? There's gonna be a conflict within you. You know, there's gonna be a war inside you. You know. Okay. I hope that answers your question. It, it did. That was. I it was. I haven't heard that answer before, so that was nice. Um, and then my final question, since you've gone through this process, actually, this is your second time. I just didn't get to post the first interview I did with you years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but who would you like to see me interview? Whose like testimony would you like to hear or you think people should hear? Um, I would love to hear something about from Jared Sanders. I feel like his life is so interesting. Like, I've become like good friends with him over the years, but I would I would like to hear like a detailed interview on him. I'm for that. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the show. However you consume us, thank you. Please subscribe to the show. And if you really enjoy the content, please leave a review. It really does help with the ranking of the show. And if you want to go an extra mile, share the show. Share this episode. And for all things testimony, visit testimonystories.com. Until next time, I'm Gilika Brown, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.